Well, once again, let me welcome you to FBC. My name is Joe Andrews. I'm not the pastor here. The pastor is the guy that uh, gives me a great piece of advice every time I get on the stage. You want to hear it? You guys know our pastor, right? You know this is going to be deep and profound, right? Don't mess up. <laughs> uh, he's, uh, he's a great encourager, and that's, that's why I love him. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to be in the series that we're in right now. Uh, we're actually in the Interconnect series, and uh, I started this series now two Sundays ago. This is the third Sunday. The very first Sunday, we just talked about how you are interconnected to family, and my whole goal through all of this series is to show you that you're interconnected in some different ways in your lives, and you benefit from being interconnected there, and those other things benefit from you being interconnected there as well. And so we talked about family the very first week, and uh, we talked about how much we love our children, how much we're interconnected with other members of our family, and really at the end, I kind of brought it all back to the fact that no matter how interconnected you think you are to your family, God is connected even more, and he loves your children, and he loves all of the other people in your life even more than you do. And last week, we talked about how you're interconnected to the church, and I didn't mean the church in general or anything like that. I mean here at First Baptist Las Cruces. You are connected here, and I talked about being interconnected with the church will help you. And it will help the other people in the church. But if you're disconnected from the church, it's going to hurt you spiritually and it's going to hurt other people spiritually. And so we talked about that and I kind of summed everything up talking about the pandemic and how the pandemic has kind of separated us and disconnected us a little from the church and how we need to realize that that is not a normal thing. And the church wasn't meant to be kind of picked apart and having everybody separated and not together. The church is to be together. And so our, my encouragement last week was, let's remember that this is temporary. Don't get too comfortable if you're doing things differently. We can't wait just to come back and be the church, all of us together. Again, this service, the service before, the service after. We used to have a 1215. That'll be being added back again too, but we can't wait till the day that all of our church is once again able to meet under the same roof and praise the Lord all together. Next week, I'm actually talking about how you're interconnected to the world and what that interconnection looks like. And today, we're actually talking how you're interconnected to your community, okay? And so what I hope that you see today is that in some way, you are interconnected to your community. And when I talk about community, usually... I'm talking about connect groups and things like that and being involved in community. Today, I'm not talking about that. Today, I'm talking about your community here in Las Cruces, New Mexico, with your neighbors, with the people at your work, anybody who you rub shoulders with from, a day, from day to day. That's who I'm talking about today. And so I, as I approach this passage of scripture, the Lord really taught me something about my own life and how interconnected I am to my neighbors. And I hope that with this next example, you're able to see that you are more interconnected to your, to your neighbors than you ever thought possible, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up my life a little to you today. I'm going to let you into my phone and see a text conversation that I had with one of my neighbors. And I know what you're thinking because about two weeks ago, I shared how we burnt our neighbor's trees down. Well, this isn't that text, okay? This is a totally different one, totally different neighbor. I'm trying to ruin our neighborhood one neighbor at a time, okay? So... <laughs> Here's, here's this text conversation. I'll give you a little more context as we get into it. Here's the first thing that I send to my neighbor. Hey, man, 
be careful on our street because there's some crazies that just fly out of their driveways. Idiots. Yeah, that's the nice words that your pastor is using when he's talking to his neighbors. And uh, when you hear who I was talking about, it's going to surprise you. I'm actually talking about myself. Uh, This whole text was all about me. What had happened was I come out of my driveway, and usually our our, our, uh, street has no traffic. Well, I happen to be pulling out maybe a little bit too fast. I'm not like flying out, but maybe a little too fast. And I see my neighbor, he's about to drive by, so I have to hit the brakes. Now, I don't have to slam on the brakes. Nobody was injured in my car or anything else. But I had to tap the brakes so that we wouldn't uh, run into their car. And so I sent this to him kind of as a joke. And uh, his response was even funnier uh, until I really just kind of started reading it over and over and over again. So here's his response to me. LOL, no kidding. Not only does he fly out of his driveway, but I've seen that same guy in a Volvo. Yeah, I am a proud, I'm just kidding. I'm not a proud Volvo owner. Nobody's a proud Volvo owner. Okay, I've seen that same guy in a Volvo hauling down Hornada two Sundays ago. So that's church day. That's me on a church day trying to get to the church. We left our driveways on our street at the same time. And by the time I turned on Hornada, he was always at the, already at the frontage road. He, listen to this. This is nice. This is what you want your neighbors to think, right? He must be close to God. That's good, right? With the way that he drives. That's not so good. He's definitely not afraid to meet God. That's true. Or introduce someone else to God, for that matter. (laughs) This was my reply. (laughs) That's legit. I mean, those were actually the conversations. That was actually my reply. As I approach this text today, (laughs) I came to a huge realization that I am so interconnected to my community. And the Lord really taught me a lesson. It's the same thing that I want you to take home with you today, okay? What I want you to take home today is that you are leading your neighbors and your community closer to or further from Jesus by every single thing you do. No matter what you're doing, your neighbors are there watching, your coworkers are there watching you. And they're looking to see, does this guy's life, does this person's life match up to what I know that they say they believe? And it gets pretty sobering pretty quick when we realize that we do a lot of things that we don't even notice that we're doing, but other people do. So are we either leading them towards knowing the Lord or are we leading them farther from knowing the Lord is really what this whole text that we're going to be into uh, today. We're going to be in uh, 1 Peter, but I want to tell you a little bit about Peter because I, I hate jumping into the middle of a book and not giving any context or anything like that. And so I want to kind of set all this up for you so you really understand. Now, this Peter who wrote 1 Peter is the same Peter that you know and love from the Gospels, okay? I think we, we just kind of gloss over this sometimes. We don't think about the man who is writing. This is the same Peter who was just a fisherman a few years earlier, all right? This is the same Peter who walked with Jesus for three years. It's the same Peter who stepped out of a boat and walked on water in faith because of Jesus. It's the same Peter who saw Jesus transfigured before him. It's the same Peter that then later denied 
Jesus three times. It's the same Peter who in the book of Acts becomes the leader of the church at Jerusalem with James. It's the same Peter who would go around healing people. It's the same Peter who delivered an incredible sermon at Pentecost where 3,000 people accepted the Lord. It's the same Peter who would walk around healing people. It's the same one who, rose, uh, who raised a woman from the dead. He's the same Peter who, in later on in the book of Acts, as he was walking down the street, people wanted his shadow to fall on them so that they would be healed. It's that Peter who's writing this letter to the people who we're going to be talking about in just a second, but he has a lot of credibility. So whatever he writes to whoever he writes it to, they better take him seriously because he was a pretty important guy. So... Let me tell you a little about the people that he was writing to, okay? Uh, he goes on in the, in the passage to explain that they're strangers. It's because they were living in Israel and now they're outside of Israel, all right? They're Christians, but they have a Jewish cultural heritage. And now they're living outside of Israel and they're living in what we would call today modern-day Turkey, okay? So if you want to just see what that looks like on your map, you're more than welcome to do that. Just type in Turkey. It's basically the whole country of Turkey, uh, who he's writing to, a, a, a little... Uh, a few little kind of countries down at the bottom weren't included, uh, but for all intents and purposes, he's writing to all of these people who are now living outside of their own culture. They're from Bithynia, they're from Cappadocia, they're from Asia, they're from Galatia, and he's writing to all of them to encourage them in the faith because what has happened is their faith has be, they've begun to be persecuted for their faith. And so they've begun to move out of that per persecution and go to other places and start living. And, Paul, and Peter wants to remind them of a couple things, that they're still going to endure some suffering, that they are still the Lord's, and one other thing, that they need to make sure that they are living for God wherever they are living, okay? So we're going to get into the passage right now. If you want to turn your Bibles there, we're going to be in 1 Peter 2, 11, and 12. I'll read it up here for you. Beloved, and what that, what that term means right away is just that you are loved by God. So he's like, you who are loved by God, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds. And glorify God on the day of visitation. So Peter wants to remind these people who are now living outside of their comfort zone and outside of their own country of about three things in this passage. And I want to kind of help you understand what he wants to tell them. And then we're going to look at how all of that applies to you and me today and, and how it affects us. All right. So the very first thing he wanted them to see was that they were strangers at war. They are strangers at war. Okay, so this comes straight from uh, verse 11. I urge you as sojourners and exiles, the word could be foreigners or strangers or anything like that, to abstain from the passions of flesh which wage war against your soul. So how are they strangers? How are they foreigners? Well, I already told you one way that they're foreigners. They had their Israelite culture in Israel, and they were enjoying that. They had come to faith in Christ, but because of persecution, they had begun to move out into the world. So they're foreigners because they're living somewhere else that's not their home. They're also foreigners in another way. They're foreigners because they are believers in 
Christ. And as a believer in Christ, they know that they have a heavenly father and their ultimate home is not here on this earth. Their ultimate place is with their heavenly father. So they're actually exiles or they're foreigners in two different senses. Now, the next thing that Peter says is as they are foreigners living in this new place, they have to abstain from some things that are waging war against their souls. Now, why would Peter use the word war? I don't know if you've ever looked at war or anything else, but nobody ever goes into a war thinking, we're going to lose this war and it's going to be great. You're going into war to win. And the enemy is in the war to win as well. And he will do anything to steal, kill, and destroy. And Peter wants to remind these people who are living outside of their own context in another place, you have to abstain from these things, these passions of the flesh, which we could just say is just sin, okay? Remember, a new culture, new people, new sin, new gods. There's so many traps for these believers to fall into, and he's saying it's as serious as war. These things will wage war against you, so you have to understand that sin is serious, and that's really what, the, what he's getting at with saying that it's like a war. Sin is very serious. Here's what sin does, and Peter knows this. Sin will distance you from your relationship with the Lord. So he doesn't want that for those people. So he's like, please, abstain from sin. Don't get involved in everything that you can get involved in there. Some of it will distance you from the Lord. The other thing that sin will do is it will discredit them in the culture that they're living in. If they are beginning to be sin and they are behaving in ways that they shouldn't, the culture is going to look at them and they're going to say, that person doesn't really matter. They're obviously, they obviously don't care about people and it's going to discredit them in that whole community. And that really brings us to the next thing that I want you to see that Peter said to them, they must act honorably where they are. So Peter wanted these people to make sure that they were acting in an honorable way in everything that they did. Now, honorable to God, absolutely, but even honorable in the culture. They had to do the honorable thing unless that thing was against what the Lord would have them do. They were to behave in an honorable way in every single thing that they did. I remember uh, in February, I actually took a trip to Brazil and I went to see uh, Scott Bupp, who's a missionary from this church, working in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And our plan was actually, this is August, September, October, we were going to go as a church to Brazil and just be with him and work with him and, and try and reach Portuguese people. And because of the pandemic, all that's kind of fallen apart. But in February, I went uh, to visit him. And the very first day, I, just, I get up and I, I get dressed and we're on the subway, I'm passing, I mean, thousands of people everywhere we go. And I slowly realize that I am like one of maybe every thousand men that has a pair of shorts on. And I said, hey, Scott, uh, I noticed that I'm like the only person wearing shorts out here. And he says, yeah, you're communicating to everyone that you're a woman. And I was like, what? And he, I, no, he didn't, he didn't say that. He said, listen, in this culture, you, 
men, when they go about their business and everything like that, they just don't usually wear shorts. They use them to work out or things like that. But if they have any kind of business to do, if they have any kind of meeting or anything like that, they're just going to wear pants. And so I was like, well, I should wear pants the rest of the time. Of course, at that time, I still have to make it all the way back to his house uh, till, till I can change and everything else. He also told me, this is cool, after you use the restroom, you need to wash your hands. So since February... I'm doing that, and it's awesome. It's great. I, it's really helped me out in my life. <laughs> Listen, there are some things that you should do in some cultures, and there's some things you shouldn't do. Had I had a meeting with a pastor, and I had gone in shorts, he would have think, thought that I maybe didn't respect him very much, or myself, or even our meeting and our gathering together. So as soon as I knew that that was a cultural thing, I stopped doing it. Well, that's what Peter wants everybody to know in his, in his circle that he's writing to. Please, as you're living outside among the Gentiles in this new culture, behave honorably. Do the things that they do that are honorable to them and honorable to the Lord. And if you do that, it really brings us to the next thing uh, that he wanted them to see, that they couldn't just do everything. Their actions always reflected on their God. They couldn't do any single thing that they wanted to do. They had to act in an honorable way because the culture knew that their actions reflected on their God. Now, in that time, you, whatever you did would not only reflect on yourself, but the God that you worshiped. And so as they would move into these different cultures, if they, dis, if they misbehaved and didn't act honorably, the culture would look at them and they would say, you know what, if they're this dishonorable their God must be the same, and he's not worthy of worship. However, if they would behave honorably, it would be the opposite. And the culture could look on them and say, they must serve an honorable God as well. I want, to look, uh, I want you to read with me verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. We just talked about that. So that when they speak against you as evildoers. Now, why would anyone speak against these Christians as evildoers? I mean, Christians are supposed to have a good reputation, but if you could just picture yourself that you're living in this other culture, you're serving another God, and someone moves into your culture, and they have another God and another way of doing things, you would probably think this person is not a good person. They don't follow our gods. They don't do things like we do them. But if they behaved honorably, it could change that public opinion of them. And so they might have been thought of as evildoers. Now, the very last thing it says is when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds, your honorable behavior, and glorify God on the day of visitation. Now, the, the phrase day of visitation is actually the day when someone comes to faith in Christ. If they're going to glorify God because of the good deeds that they see in these foreigners they will be attracted not only to those foreigners, but also to their God, and they will come to faith. A few weeks ago, the pastor shared that the principal way that we glorify God is coming to faith. We can see that here. These people will come to faith if they listen to Peter's advice. They don't get involved in sin. They behave honorably in the culture, and they think about cultural norms and things like that, and everything will kind of be set in place for those people to be attracted to God instead of repelled. And that's really what all of our actions can do. They could either repel people from the Lord and repel people from us where they're like, I don't want to be around Joe. He's a crazy driver. 
Or they could see everything that I do and they say, I want to know his God. I want to know him more, first of all. And then I also want to know his God and I want to place my faith in his God. Now, it's not exactly the same in our culture. It's not like every time we walk around, if we do something, it doesn't just reflect on, it usually only reflects on just us, not our God. But if people know, like all of my neighbors know, that I'm a pastor, it will reflect on my God, every single thing that I do. And it will either repel them from him or attract them to him. And so that's what Peter is trying to get across. Every single thing you do is being watched. The, the foreigners around you are watching you. How are you going to behave? So how does all of this help you and me in the culture that we're living in? Now, we're not all foreigners. Some of you may be foreigners. I don't know if you're maybe from another place and you're living here. Uh, you, you might be a foreigner, but we are all foreigners in one sense. And that's the first thing that I want you to see is that Christians are still strangers in the world. We have a heavenly home and a heavenly father, and we can't wait to get back there. We know that this earth isn't our permanent home. We know that being him with him for eternity is our ultimate goal. So in some way, we're also strangers, but we have to live as, those, as Peter told those other people to live in the world. He said, listen, abstain from these things. Act honorably so that when you do, the culture around you is going to be attracted to the Lord. So we should, like them, should act like they were told to act by Peter. The next thing I want to show you is that sin is still serious. Peter wanted to remind them of the fact that sin is very serious. I think our default as people is really to think, as Christians, that sin is just kind of bad. It's something that we probably shouldn't do. And I, I understand the Holy Spirit is in our lives and we're forgiven for sin, but we still fall into it. And if we're not walking with the Spirit, we're going to start sinning again and creating distance in our relationship with the Lord. And it, and it hurts us. But we probably go around and we think, you know, sin isn't so bad. If I just do that one thing. Well, Peter has something else to say. He says, the enemy is always there seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. And he uses temptation and sin to do it. So sin is so very serious for us. It's not something that we just kind of don't want to do. It could mean life or death, spiritually and or physically. Sin is a very serious, serious thing. Here's the last thing that I want us to see. Our actions still repel or attract our community to Jesus. I don't know if you've ever heard the, uh, of, of someone saying, you know what, the reason I don't go to church is it seems like it's full of hypocrites. I know, I know you've heard that, right? I hate that reputation because I know a lot of you and you're not that. Uh, but at some point in this person's life, They've come across with a Christian who's, who maybe went to worship on Sundays. They're raising their hand. They're praising God. They're singing. They're listening to God's word, and they forget to put it in practice for the rest of the week, and they're looked at as a hypocrite, or maybe they just do it on purpose because they aren't doing what they say they believe. Their life isn't matching up, and I don't want this church to be a place like that. I want us to realize, you know what, sin is serious. We don't want to be hypocrites. We want to act honorably every single place that we go. 
The culture is always watching us, just like it was watching the foreigners, the Christian Jews who were in northern Turkey, what we would call northern Turkey. Just as that culture was watching them, guys, our culture is watching us. Always. And even the little things, like me driving down the street, could be seen to someone as, you know what, that guy's a pastor. Why would he drive around the street like he doesn't care about children or other cars or anything else? Why would he do that? And they have a question, and I hope, my one prayer is I hope that my driving habits don't reflect poorly on me as a Christian, on God, and even you, the church, because they all know what church I go to. So I have to represent myself well wherever I go. I have to act honorably in all the things that I do, even when I think there are people who aren't watching. And that really brings us full circle to the one thing that I want you to leave with today is that we're so very interconnected to our community that we are leading the community closer to or further from Jesus. Everything that you do, in every way that you do it, people are watching And the things that you do will repel them or attract them to Christ. And I know you. You want them to know Jesus. You want them to come into his church so that they could be interconnected to the church as well as their community. And you guys are interconnected to your community, whether you've realized it before now or you're just realizing it now. You have people that are always looking at you, whether it's family members, whether it's people in your neighborhood, whether it's people you work with, or maybe it's the same convenience store, the Starbucks that you go to every day. How are you acting? Are you acting in accordance with the Spirit, or are you just doing whatever you want and not realizing that you could be having eternal consequences in the lives of other people? So as we come to a close, I just want to give you a chance to respond to the message. If you're watching online, you have a, a, a number that's going to pop up here. You can text respond to that number and we'll be in contact with you. If you're here, we have a few pastors that are going to be up here. And I don't know how the Lord is dealing with each and every one of you. It may be something that I talked about or sometimes the Lord will use scripture in a different way in somebody's life that didn't have anything to do with what I was saying up here, but he's just dealing with you on something. I, I hope that you would respond to him. But maybe today you realize, you know what? I don't know if I'm acting like a stranger or a foreigner in this world. I may look a little too much like the world. Maybe that's where the Lord is dealing with you. Maybe he's saying, you know what? You're not taking sin seriously. It's a war. And it's waging war against your soul. And you have to take it seriously because it will steal, kill and destroy everything that you've worked so hard to build. Maybe you realize like I did this week, my actions are maybe leading people a little further away from the Lord when all I wanna do is bring them in. And if that's you, maybe you just need to confess to the Lord. Maybe you're looking for a new church home that preaches the word of God, that is here. Maybe you have never accepted Christ in your life before, and maybe you want to talk to one of the pastors, you can also do that during this time. However God is dealing with you right now, you have an entire song to just talk to him about it. If you have to confess something, confess something. If you just have to fall at your knees and say, I'm so sorry, I haven't realized how interconnected to my community I truly am. 
Help me do a better job. Let's pray. Dear God, we do love you. I thank you for Peter's message to those Christian Jews so long ago who were living outside of their culture. That he reminded them that they represent you wherever they go. That sin is serious and that by their actions they could actually draw people in to faith or repel them away from Christ. God, help us to be Christians who love you so much that we realize how serious it is when we lead someone away from you or how great it could be for the person if we lead them toward you. God, would you help us respond to you in a way that reflects how you're speaking to our hearts right now. In Jesus' name we pray.